Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? I just want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Fullscale.io. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I almost remember. Is that, to our, say that, is that our legal disclaimer? No, but we'll probably have one soon. And you know, I'll tell you what, there's no one that probably needs a disclaimer on this podcast more than you. Yeah, I'm really worried about this episode. So how do we do that? I mean, do you know anybody that knows anything about law? Well, I'm just worried about saying something that's going to get me in trouble. Oh, God. I've done that before. You know, the thing that I think is amazing, and I just can't seem to get my finger on how you do this, but we always seem to have a problem at the beginning of the episode that there's someone here that can help us solve it. Yeah, well, I think we have to disclaim that everything we say today may or may not be good or bad and don't listen to anything we have to say. Something like that. that And that the advice that you may perceive or receive from this podcast is worth exactly what you paid for it. Yeah. (laughs) So so with that, I'm going to introduce Greg Cradifel, some known to some as Greg Cradifel Jr., uh, who is the chair of technology transactions uh, and the data privacy group at Pulsinelli. Hi, Greg. Thanks for working the junior in there. I don't get yeah. that very often. Well, it's no, all- known to my mother as Gregory. Yes. You know, so. Uh, Ron Burgundy reads what's on the teleprompter. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it says on my notes. I have never uh, called you junior, but yeah. well, Greg, uh, a few things as we get started. So, um, and for those of you listening, whether you're in Kansas City or out, Pulsinelli is a large law firm. They do a whole lot of different stuff. Um, Greg is an attorney there and someone that I've known for quite a while. We at one point went to the same high school together, mm-hmm. which, um, yeah, I finished there. I went so. to two high schools <laughs> and five colleges, man, I'm all over it. So, but anyway, Greg, you are someone here in Kansas city that is very, very involved in the startup community. And when I say startups, I mean, everything from like the day one startup to, people that are entering the series Q round of, you know, 9,000 tranches of funding. But yeah, and but you and your firm have a very important part and role that you play in that entire process. I've had an opportunity to work with and around you, and I find you to be very knowledgeable, which is not what I say when I'm not in front of the mic. But wait, do I need to disclaim that? <laughs> no, I, think, yeah, I think you yeah. needed to make sure that the meter was off, though. You did say that at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So, but but anyway, uh, you know, the stuff that you're going to listen to today is, once again, you know, kind of an opinion. And we're not acting as legal advisors. But it's important that you do consider some things with your startup. And we're going to kind of talk about that a bit today. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. Joint. So, Greg, when it comes to law and the legal setup of startups or businesses, you know, a lot of people start their business and, you know, you just say, you kind of start it and you're like, oh, maybe I'm onto something. Maybe I'm not. Some people are like, I know exactly what I want to do. I'm going to create an entity and different stuff. Like, I mean, what, regardless of where you start, what are some of the most basic things and building blocks to consider for any business. You know, you hit on it though at the beginning is it 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 needs to start with an idea, it needs to start with a business. I mean, it, you know, I could set up 100 entities today and you can own 100% of all of them. That doesn't mean you own or have anything. Right. And so but, the, I, but know, I would be a entrepreneur then. You would be a entrepreneur, you know. <laughs> you would be one pivot away from greatness, man. <laughs> I would be, we can even set, we can even have subsidiaries under there and now you have holding companies and wow. things like that. So the important thing um, is my business to make card is going to look good. So what you're saying is the most important thing is to make it as complicated as possible. I mean it, oh. it, it it's more about like you know it's still more about the business and yeah. that's the thing that when you come to a lawyer, you know, and to talk a startup lawyer particularly to talk about those issues you know, it's still about, you know, about having your business, knowing what you're going to build, what you're going to do and, 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 and how you're going to execute what the, what the discussion with the lawyer is, is how do we, you know, protect that? How do we organize that? And how do we put it in a position to get funding, you know, for, for you down the road? And so 
that, I mean, and everybody's had horror stories. Everybody's seen movies. I mean, I think the social network was probably the best for, uh, for my, uh, for my business at the beginning, because either you, uh, felt sorry for the twins or you felt sorry for Mark, but that whole idea and well, watching, I, but there that, was a third component. There, there was were, also, what, what, what was the other guy's name? Uh, uh who's that? Uh, Eduardo. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Which, which who on some levels wasn't a very active participant. But also kind of got screwed a yeah. little bit. And too. that and that's a I mean, that's a great example of people that were involved at the very beginning, thinking and talking about an idea, trying to figure out, um, you know, do we have a business, but never really kind of crossed into the discussion around the legal and what do we need to do at the beginning? Well, so from my perspective, I've started a couple of businesses, right? And the last one I started, it, it's really easy when you go to start, you're like, okay, before I do anything, I need to go file for patents. I need to go get um, my operating agreement. I need to do a PPM. I need to get all these legal documents for when I hire people that they sign over their intellectual property and their confidentiality. And like all of a sudden you have like all these legal things you could do from the very beginning. And it's easy to get sidetracked with all that stuff mm-hmm. and overcomplicate it. It's also easy to spend a lot of money on all that's that. Right, that's right. That's right. And it, it shouldn't I, be a lot of money. I, I'd like to point out that I do think your first startup was amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we we feel free to to introduce backhanded compliments or what we call complisults <laughs> along the way. So as long as it clearly is intended to be a compliment, yeah. Um, your your last startup Matt, was great. So Matt, but what you to your point here, and I think this is something that Greg had on uh, as well when you talk about like the social network, and we're talking about the movie, and this is a good example because I think a lot of people have seen it. So. Eduardo ended up owning like 25% or 30% of that business very easily in the beginning for what was a a small amount of money. And I think one of the first things that people at least ask to me, or I see people talking about publicly is how do I, how do we determine who owns what when it's more than just me? So if I've got three co-founders who is it just automatically a third, a third, a third, And I see so many people just handing out equity as if it is a trick or treat candy on mm-hmm. Halloween, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, is that something to consider right up front and like yeah, I mean, it, it's and a, defining these boundaries or like who gets what, when, where, and why? Yeah, Cause I mean, Eduardo wasn't even participating in Facebook. Yeah. Like they went to California without him and he's like, yeah, I'm going to go sell ads for the subway. You know? And I think that the key thing about on a startup perspective is that it changes over time. And so, uh, there's no perfect solution on equity. I mean, on how to divvy up equity or, I mean, you, there's different theories, there's different approaches and things to take. But what I've seen work best is the idea that we're starting something new. We're going to come to some agreement that if, if if somebody is not happy at the very beginning with what they think their equity is, they're not going to contribute. They're not going to participate. So you have to come and get to some agreement with them. But then the biggest issue and the biggest thing you need to address is the reality that we all need to be rowing in the same direction for some period of time for this to be worth anything. And so the mechanism to me is the ability that if for whatever reason uh, we stop rowing in the same direction, um, you, you know, and, and, and sometimes life happens, you know, I mean, you get your dream job and you're going to move to Montana and now you can't participate anymore. There ought to be some vesting component and some adjustment in the equity component that helps to try to keep the equity aligned with where the efforts and the, and the things are being. And if you, it may not be perfect. You may not say if you leave in the first three years, you get zero, you know, that doesn't seem fair because somebody who may be contributing for the first year, maybe the first two years, and now uh, has a life event that, that, you know, good or bad, or that you guys don't agree anymore. There ought to be able to ability to adjust it in a way that moves the needle. Um, well, and, and uh, vesting founder shares is kind, of, is kind of what you're talking about. And it's kind of a weird thing. But it's actually really common in early stage, uh, seed stage funding where you go to the investor and you get the investor for all this money in. And then they, in turn, basically want to take control of the company in some sense. And part of the way they do that is forcing the founders to vest. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, you don't own 80% of the company or whatever anymore. You own zero. and You're going to earn that 80, 80% back over the next five years. But if you don't do a good job, you're fired and you don't get it. So, but, and that happens. but everything yeah. you're talking about right now. All right. So I guess to disclaim my history. So I come from a family of attorneys and it doesn't mean that I'm an attorney, but it means that I've lived a lifetime of a father, like spouting legal advice at me, sometimes me asking him and sometimes just saying, Hey, um, 
But the one thing I learned uh, really at a young age was it, you know, good fences make good neighbors mm-hmm. in that regard. Like, and, and I made this mistake with my first business that I opened and I talked about this in million dollar bedroom a lot. Like you have to be upfront about what your expectations are and good, uh, and good contracts and good agreements don't just address what I call the sunny day scenario. Well, there are ins and outs and like there's certain things and like, and, and these things are not always the most comfortable and Hey, what happens if you die? Uh, so I have this exact problem in my life right now where myself and a couple other people own an asset and I don't want that asset anymore. And how do I somehow compel them to say that we have to sell? Yeah. It? Cause, cause, it, cause when you come into, into things, it's inherently exciting yeah. and you're optimistic and it just seems like a big mush to be like, so what happens when we decide to hate each other? Yeah. Well, that's what we always say. Like, you know, a partnership is the one kind of ship that doesn't sail. I'll tell you the time to have those conversations are those before that problems occur. Because once those problems occur, I mean, as difficult as that is to discuss those things, like what are we going to do? How are we going to address if something occurs in in this next year? This is what we're going to do. We need a prenup. Yeah. They're way easier to discuss before. Well, you like you that. mentioned that, but it, and this is well known, and then I wrote about this as well. It's easier to get rid of your wife than it is your business partner in some regards. Like you can get a divorce quicker than you can disband a business in some regards. Yeah. So you have to look at it that way. The people that you're starting a business with, you are in a business marriage with them. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Matt. Yeah. Thank you. Matt and I are married. married. We're married. We're married. Our businesses. But but that's a good point, though, because, you know, like you have to look at that like this is difficult to undo and especially difficult to undo if someone's not performing or someone's not happy. Mm -hmm. Right. That's right. And 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 it's. And it's emotional. I mean, and that's the, the, the challenge or, or, or where, where, you know, a lawyer can help on that kind of stuff a bit is trying to, it can help, it can also make it worse, but is to try to help take some of the emotion out of it and get it into where is this make good, you know, business sense. But so what, but are, I mean, what, are, a, what are a couple things that, all right, so we're going to, we're going to start a, a fictional business. Um, called called XYZ Corp here or whatever. Yeah. And, and and so what are a few things as us three here as partners, like what do we need to clearly give some credence to or like just acknowledge or what what are just a few things that are just no brainers yeah. from I a mean, legal perspective? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. D- 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 and, you well, know, other, other than you guys d- shouldn't want to be business yeah. partners with me. Well, but, but I mean, it, it's uh, say we're going to set it up all with a third, a third, a third, you know, the key thing in my mind is we're, we're understanding everybody's expectations on what they're going to be doing, the time they're going to be committing and, and how we're going to be, you know, approaching this. Because if we don't have that at the very beginning, we're a mess. And then we're, 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 we're ripe for, uh, um, issues and for, you know, angst and, and fighting. And, you know, I thought you were going to do more of this and, and I'm carrying all the water here and it just creates tension. So getting that out on the, on the, at the beginning is, is really important. Then providing some mechanism in that in that agreement around us that if for some reason somebody can't continue or I have to pick up some load or we need to pick somebody up, that there's some adjustment where maybe my 33% goes down to 15% if we can't do some of these things. You know, I mean, there's a level of trust, but the idea is that that ought to, the equity ought to, you know, adjust in some way. Now, I don't think it should be punitive in a way that it takes somebody to zero, but it ought to be able to try to get us fair where, where we're approaching things. And, 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 then, and, and but then, the very first thing you mentioned here is, and I wrote this down, define, yeah, define expectations. And then also like define all of it. If it's defined up front mm-hmm. and it then, makes so and, much more sense. And then, like and then it makes sense to go set that entity up. And what, what part of what we do with setting, setting up that entity for, from a startup is one both to help define that, what, how we're going to approach things, what we're going to do, but two, put it in the best position for funding. I mean, because that is what we want to be able to, when we go out and talk to people about raising money for these startups, is we want to have that box looking very pretty with a bow on top when they come and ask for anything that we're able to show it to them. And, um, we're able to show it to them, uh, and, and, it, and it looks real pretty, it's clean and there's no issues there. And so that's setting the entity up correctly. That's making sure all the balls get in the basket. That's all. That's your IP assignments and things at the very beginning. Setting up an option plan so that you've got that equity component available for employees. That's an important component of the startup. 
Um, and then you're out, you know, you know, you know, employment and, and, and some of the arrangements around what everybody's going to be doing and participating. But now you're set up and that shouldn't cost a lot. That shouldn't take a lot. That the That's a pretty, um, I don't want to say cookie cutter, but it's, a, I mean, that, we, we've got that figured out on what that stuff's supposed to look like. It should not be difficult to do. So yeah, but that, but that, but now you're ready, and now you're clean and ready to go out and to talk to somebody about funding. Because the worst thing to do is when you're out talking to somebody about funding, is to have a just still have a mess behind you, and it shouldn't spend a lot of money to get that to the point where you're not talking about you know messes because it just calls into question: Are they really dedicated to this? Are they um, you know somebody who's organized? You know, there's other issues that you just don't want to even have come up by having a little bit of organization well, at so, the beginning. So if I'm starting this business, what what should I have for a budget for this? Like, so well, for, well, well, hang on. Cause I want to get into the budget and I want to talk about funding, but along the way to that, you, cause before you get to budgets and stuff, the decision-making process, like how are you going to make decisions is a key thing. And, in a, in a, and a component that I think has to exist to avoid infighting, mm-hmm. you know, and like, and you had an issue with that. Uh, you're at then at some point, cause of the way that things were structured. Didn't you need to have, we had, like, a, we had, had a super have, like, majority. Fun. Yeah. yeah. So everybody had to agree in one, there were five owners at that time. And that's tough, man. And that well, makes it impossible. And so as an investor, nobody will invest in that. But that's, like, and that's, no and so, but that's my Unanimous point. is the enemy of, yeah, of that, that was. Some, right. Yeah, so like that decision-making process, like who, what, where, and when, and how, and then also like not making it so micromanagey mm-hmm. that it's like, Hey, I want to buy a cup of coffee, Matt, I'm going to need to get the board together. Yeah, to expend we, anything over fifty dollars. We, yeah. we do need you to know? talk about your spending habits <laughs> yes. later. By the way, is it because I bought a coffee pot? <laughs> it's the gold money gun. By the way, uh, that was first off. That was sixteen bucks. Um, second off, second but you off, already had the red money gun. Right? I know. Why? Wait, yeah, it's yep, a waste. yeah. There's reasons, but um, I did buy a new coffee pot because I am currently enjoying the free coffee that Bo Nelson from Thou Mayest Coffee has brought us. Oh, thank you. Now it was whole bean and it was roasted and it's delicious. And we and, have this coffee. Off, off, awesome coffee cup by from Ocean and Sea. Ocean and Sea. You have to say awesome coffee cup three times. Awesome really. coffee cup. You have to say it three times. Awesome so. coffee cup. Awesome coffee cup. Awesome. Fail. <laughs> oh, oh man. See, we oh talk about God. defining expectations, and I due fail. to that, you have lost all of your equity in the podcast. <laughs> so congratulations. Yeah. You don't have to come in here and do this anymore, but. So like that decision-making, do you agree, Greg? Like that's, I mean, just having some it's definition. Part, yeah, it's part of defining it. It's part of, uh, you know, the unanimous is the enemy for this kind of stuff. I mean, it's understanding what are the decisions that, that you know, you're free, one person's free to make that you trust, you know, your partner or the other person to make, the things that you expect that we'll have to, you know, we'll have to have some agreement on. I mean, whether it's, uh, there's certain things that majority can approve. There's certain bigger things that like say, we really do need to get a super majority involved with this. We always try to stay away from things like unanimous where somebody who owns 0.0001% is able to hold things hostage and do some stuff with it, that. I mean, that's it, in a so little some bit. Of, some of the bigger. things too that go in there are like, um, you might be, okay. So as if, uh, if, if you have, one member or more that aren't involved in the daily operation of the business, getting some of those people out of the bait. Like, as you said, you're just trying to make basic decisions, but at the same time, before you engage or in a large contract or sell equity or take investment or something mm-hmm. like that, take loans and just basic shit like yeah, that. I mean, right? that, like, I mean, they have to trust. I mean, they, one, they have to trust you that you're, well, you that's know, what you want to avoid though. Like, but yeah. you have to define those things that, you know, listen, I understand you're going to be running day to day and you got to be making decisions on the fly, but here are the things, these are the big things that I want to know about and I want to have an input in. So it's not after the fact we're talking about it. It's before so that you're able to bring those things. We're able to have a discussion and able to make a decision on it. And if you set that out on the front end and define that better, you're in a better sh- chance that you're going to get it. Get it, you're going to get it done. Selfie stick, baby. At hey. Startup Hustle Podcast on Instagram. I love it. You know the thing that's really important for any podcast is that you have props because everyone can see them. Yeah, like, you know it's they like, can on our YouTube yeah. well, channel. Can, that's right, Matt. We have a we YouTube do. channel. I know, and it's and brought to you by FullScale.io. I was <laughs> lucky to bring my Pulsinelli branded, you know, mug. I guess I'm going to give Matt a high five right. for the first time in the history, <laughs> like a real high five. Thank you, Matt. You know what we really need to do? Tell me. We need to play Rochambeau. It's soon. Soon. 
we might have we have a so it's funny uh, we'll take a second because this podcast you know we started it to complain like you want to talk about things that have no documentation or paperwork this we're like <laughs> technically full scale we, we were like okay full scale owns the podcast and you talk about some of that as like why because we use the resources that are provided by full scale to create this podcast like mm-hmm. the people that work at full scale help us produce it the microphones all of it was paid for by money that was in there so like it, it kind of became the property of it but um yeah we kind of started it well, we didn't, we started to complain. We didn't know where it was going. And all of a sudden we were like, wow, people listen to this. And actually, you know, it's two years, almost two years later, 170 episodes, a couple. Later. Yeah. Just all it's these a pretty episodes. incredible setup too that you have here. Though. It does lead the sign, but, but the thing that we've realized, and I want to encourage any of you to send in fan art of Matt Watson. That's our next step, yeah, please. Cause we've been getting free stuff. Like free stuff is like showing up with our guests regularly. Like I'm drinking my free, Thou mayest coffee. Your Matt's drinking it out of ocean and seas cup. We got our um, Penco pens. Uh, my pen. That was the thing. The Penco pens that have the giant jewels on them. Thank yeah. you guys. And it, that's been fun. So yeah, baby loves coding. That actually was Matt's Christmas gift to me last yes. year. Nice. Um, He's learning. Slowly, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah I'm getting the through very it. I I will know what an algorithm is sooner. You know, we have mixtape, the money guns, like all this all this mm-hmm. cool stuff. So, and by the way, if you want to send some cool stuff, and uh, as you can tell, we will talk about. Yeah. it. And then our sign. I think our signs like the the thing everyone the loves. And was, that was created by by some friends of the podcast. So that's. A, I need one of those in my bedroom. It's crazy. It's a four foot wide giant sheet of stainless steel that is has our uh, logo laser cut out of it okay so we have decisions definitions preparing ourselves for funding and then like we mentioned earlier we we're talking about some of the like just the general uh protect protection things like what happens if someone can't like just i just left it that general what happens if someone can't what if i can't work if i can't do something and whatever. Um, is there, is there have another to have a mechanism to be able to make adjustments? Right. Then. So right. I'm going to be able to do that. So some flexibility. Yep. Yep. And we learned that unanimous is the enemy. Yes. Yep. Now you've had some great one-liners this week, by the way. Well, in, in my, uh, my situation with that, we ended up buying those people out is yeah. what we had to ultimately do. And, but that was a problem, they, but because one of them didn't want to sell, right? And you need a super majority yeah, to make the sale. Well, we not only was it unanimous, but um, a couple of them didn't work in the business, mm-hmm. so it's like you have to explain to them every time. Okay, this is what we yeah. do, and you own part of the company, and we need to do X, and you don't understand any of it. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. So that, so that, so you know, you know, the adjustments. When I talk about adjustments, and that part of that is is the buyout of that and having a procedure and a process yeah. that you can follow that's already there and it's not it's not negotiated so to speak well you've got a mechanism with which to do it well speaking of that products. talking about planning for worst case scenario we actually have that with full scale right if one of us dies yeah what happens well we had die divorce different things yeah what happens um, yeah and those and those the government but that's i the, don't want to be business partners with your wife well, I mean, but I love you. I well, love her, you, but no. And I understand it, nor did I want to be with your ex. Yeah. So, but, but that's, did un- I. but that's understandable. Now, <laughs> now <laughs> you kind of were. Yeah. Um, but you know, the whole point, <laughs> Greg is trying to Dude, not, trying like, not to you laugh. can laugh, you can <laughs> laugh right into it. No, this is as open and honest. This is what we signed, somehow signed ourselves up for was, but these are the weird things you plan for when you yeah. start a business. It's like being That's on a fly point, on the right? wall on a therapy session. Yeah. It's worse. <laughs> it's broadcast to 177 different countries so far. So at least it's private in the, in, but all right. So, but Matt, that that's that was definition, and yeah. that was what happens if you can't. And also, it put us in a position to be able to receive funding because the thing, and that's where I want to move this on to because that is such a hot topic. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's your startup worth, Matt? The one that doesn't have any traction or any product, and it's just an idea, and it's like at least five hundred million bucks, right? A billion, yeah, billion, a billion. Yeah. We're moving up until to- proved otherwise. Until you actually get revenue, yeah, billion, which you don't want, right? I'm in the three comma club with my holding company and all this stuff. Yeah, so you know, multi-millionaire on paper. You talk about setting yourself up for funding. I think one of the 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 ideologic, one of the errors that people make in their thought process. I don't ever want an investor. I don't ever want a VC, really, because I'm pretty sure that the top ten thousand companies in the world all had investors at some point. 
probably, I bet it's pretty damn close. But the point is, is you, pro- you want to give yourself that option and certain things in your setup mm-hmm. can prevent that. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there's definitely some things to think about, about setup now. I mean, we, we always have this discussion about LLC versus C Corp and, and what's the right entity and how do we, how do we approach that? I mean, typically and traditionally, if you were going to seek any kind of investment or venture capital funding, you needed to be in a C-Corp. And so because of that, a lot of early stage companies, they would set themselves up as a C-Corp right out of the gate. That's very common on the coast to do it that way. Here in the Midwest, though, of of the U.S., I mean, because that financing and funding isn't so certain and there's some advantages of a pass-through because the part of the C-Corp challenge is it's it's not a pass-through tax entity. It's a the potential for double tax. It's got some other layers. Of, Let's of talk about that for a second because that's important because that pass through and not being double taxed is pretty important to you yeah. in the beginning. And the ability to pass losses through. In the C Corp, the losses are trapped at the entity and they can't come through. So so when you're when you're burning and losing money at the very beginning as you're spending and building out, the ability to pass through those losses to investors tended to be attractive. And so but the the so when I get that question or we we've typically got that question and it's changed a little bit in the last couple of years. But when you typically got that question, what should I be an LLC or C Corp? We would tend to put people in an LLC for this reason, because one of the most important things that you could have with a startup at the very beginning around a choice of entity and how you're doing it is flexibility yep. because it, it, it takes a lot of, uh, there's a lot of different ways things can go. And, and so if, if preserving maximum flexibility is, is important, the key thing you got to remember is it's always possible to go from an LLC to a C corp. It is difficult to go from a C corp to an LLC tax free. And so, if you want flexibility, you can. So, we would often set up these entities as an LLC at the very beginning, with the understanding that they may take a couple of years, they may take five to seven years to ever attract any kind of financing, and they would be more beneficial to be in that pass through LLC context. But the understanding always is there is that if we're going to get any kind of institutional funding, we will, of course, convert in connection with the financing. Well, and, and part of the reason that the VCs want you to be a, a C-Corp too is they also don't want to receive any pass-through income. That's right. Right? Yeah. Like their LPs, their shareholders, their whole structure can't handle income. Yeah. Okay, so let's well, that's income. exactly right because because they typically traditionally have – um, you know, pension funds, nonprofits, other folks that can't have uh, income, you know, come through to them. And that, and that was kind of the, the reason, you know, funds that were started up as limited partnerships and had LP investors and they'd make an investment, they needed to have that C-Corp. Yeah. It was required to have that C-Corp. There's some changes. You see some funds that are structured in ways that can make investments in, in LLCs. But I'll tell you one thing that's changing on that is that that general kind of preserving flexibility we're always able to convert in connection with the financing is the is the 1202 stock. So the qualified small business uh, stock is the QSBS, as they call. There's been a change in the tax law here in the last couple of years that has made it very, very attractive to be a C-Corp. And so you have to be a C-Corp. Um, and if you have investment that you've held for five years or more, and there's some other limitations or requirements and things around it, but you can get a 100% exclusion on gain. So if you put money into a C-Corp tech startup that was started after 2010, um, and uh, and that you end up holding that for five years or more, the ability, and that thing sells for $100 million, $75 million, whatever it may be, or something like that, there's an ability to exclude 100% of your federal gain on that. And so that 1202, and that was recent, it used to be 50% and there were some other things to, to decide whether or not it actually made it make sense. But most recently it was made permanent with the last uh, tax law changes. And so you're certainly seeing more and more um, folks thinking about and talking about and wanting to be in a C-Corp at the very beginning uh, to be take advantage of this uh, potential tax. Uh, I, I want to take a, a second and define a few things because I want to because we got we're using a lot of acronyms and def, and things that I want to make sure that listeners at all levels of the process and all understanding. So what is an what does LLC stand it's a for? Limited liability company. And then a C corp has some just your regular corporation like you're used to, like IBM or Apple or anything like that. Okay, so then you talked about pass through income. So the idea that, um, you know, the, a C-Corp is its own separate entity that's sitting there that pays taxes, 
And, and um, so that when it earns, uh, you know, as revenue, less expenses, it has earnings, it pays taxes on those earnings. And then, so, when, and then when it, and then you could to, potentially pay tax on them again. Then when the money, yes. then when they distribute the money out to you, you have it's a separate, uh, it's a separate form of you get a dividend or whatever like that. So it's taxed twice. Versus an LLC, a limited liability company, is taxed like generally taxed like a partnership, which that's no tax paid at the entity level. All of it is you have K ones that go out, so all of the in- yeah. income, you know. So if you have revenue, unless you you know your expenses, you've got some earnings. That income is then allocated to the members of the limited liability company, and they get a K one, and they report it on their own personal charge. So, so the you, company makes a hundred thousand dollars. I own half of it. I've got fifty thousand dollars in profit and earnings that I have to report on my taxes, and I personally have to pay the tax. The tax. On, let, yeah. let me give a different example, though. So you have a side hustle with someone, and you both have jobs where you make fifty thousand dollars a year. And you have started an LLC together and you're trying to get something going and it loses $50,000. The reason that that pass through is important is because that will pass that loss can also pass through to your personal tax returns and reduce your tax liability for all income. It can. Yes. I mean, there's some potentially, potentially. We're not going to get too deep into that. that that's your that, accountant one, yes. your accountant startup. But yeah. the, I mean, the, what you can and can't, uh, but, but the, yeah, but the general, the, the general thinking is those losses can pass through and they can be used yes. to offset some of the game. And that's right. why early investors, uh, particularly, you know, angel investors, and, and you particularly think of folks like doctors and those who have a lot of income right. coming in that would make investments. They like the idea of the pa- of the losses, the passive I've losses. Yeah, some of those right, myself. right, right. Yeah, yeah. And but then, Matt, like Matt said, on the other side, an institutional investor doesn't want that because if you own part of a business that's an LLC, at the end of the year, you get what's called a K one. Mm-hmm. And if they've invested in fifty different businesses, then they're got to wait for all these K ones to come in. It's just a, it can yeah, be it's, it really, it's kind it, of a portfolio. Nightmare. My taxes are a nightmare. Tell okay, so then it. we also use so, so so that's why you're seeing folks care more about this. Uh, <laughs> Uh, qualified small business stock, this 1202. I mean, that, that the ability to now, you know, not have any gain or, you know, because most of these tech startups at the very beginning aren't dividing out any money. I no. mean, they are taking yep. every bit of money that they make and they're dumping it back into growing. And so the way you actually get an exit out of this is through the sale of the company at, at the end. Yep. And so selling the stock at that point and being able to take and exclude all of the gain from federal income tax is a, for capital gains tax is a huge benefit that we're seeing folks. So, so as you're, as you're thinking about the choice of entity and the LLC and the C corp, understanding the benefits and the issues and things, and what are you trying to accomplish with which, which folks and what your, what your kind of your plans are will help define what, uh, what's the best entity for you. So Could Stackify you? is a seven year old LLC. Can we switch to the C corp now and still take advantage of that? You can start so, stuff. So that so the issue the issue there you have is is when do you start the period that five year start over start period? Do you okay. and there's still some issue and this is where again the the tax guys are you know is the ability to can you try to tack on to the prior you know uh, uh, years of the company and your ownership in that and uh, and my understanding is now it's not that you really need to start that five year start but there but that's an issue that's still kind of out there but. Um, you know, but I mean, it is worth thinking about if you're going to, particularly if you're going to go out and get any kind of uh, VC funding or any time in the in the near future. That is now the time to make make it. What I don't like startups to do though is make that conversion from an LLC to a C corp with without something there. You know, because they're just chasing without they, a transaction. Yeah, present, they, they're sure. just thinking they're they're needing to do something to to do something to take advantage of it, and that's why. You know, when a when a when an investor comes and says, "Ah, oh, you're an LLC. I wish you were a C corp." Okay, that's great. Is that the only issue? Because we are happy to convert in connection with the transaction. We'll be a C corp. You know, so I'd rather do it once in connection with the transaction as opposed to kind of think what somebody would want, make that conversion, and then we got to reset all that stuff again in connection with some kind of transaction. So it seems like it's 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 doing twice as much work. Um, and it's paying for something to get done that doesn't really add much value at that time, just the conversion until you've got that financing event, which is what most startups are out there looking for and trying to get. Okay. So next LP. Limited partnership. 
Oh, you're just asking like acronyms? Well, we, yeah, because we use, you use it a lot. Yeah. We, we, LP, 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 but, and you know, that's, I don't think some of this stuff just isn't inherent. Yeah. So, like, when you say it, like you're uh, an LP this, an LP, LP that. investor. So, a limited partnership, um, you don't see too many limited partnerships around anymore other than the fund structure because it's just historical. Um, most limited partnership, it was a way to, it, it was similar to a limited liability company. So, when li- limited liability companies came into existence, I mean, it's only been 25 so years ago um, that they kind of took the place of the limited partnership with the idea being that somebody was in a partnership. There was a general partner that was unlimited liability and you had limited partners whose whose interest or liability was limited to their investment. So, I mean, it was kind of mirroring that. So the limited partner investors, when we talk about that, those are investors in a fund, a VC fund, private equity fund. Um, but you rarely see an operating entity anymore that would be a limited partnership. They're almost all LLCs. Okay. So now we've planned our startup. We've defined our expectations. We've, de- we've talked about what happens if someone can't do something. We've defined our decision-making process and considered that unanimous can be the enemy. We set up our entity and we decided to do that in whatever way benefited us the most. Now I'm ready to get some funding. Are you, Matt? I'm ready. Like lots. Let's get the money in. Because it's it's easy, right? Getting yeah, funding easy. is easy. Like, I mean, everyone's just handing out money everywhere at yes. massive valuations. Yep. Like, and it all it's like I should be able to call someone on Monday and be funded by Friday, right? Yes. Uh-huh. That's yeah. Isn't that how that works? How or do works. they just come and get some of the stacks of cash that are laying around here? I yeah, mean, you just you don't put this anywhere. Well, or, you know? I mean, these are supreme dollars. It's, uh, <laughs> this oh, is I a thousand that. supreme dollars. That's for you, Greg. Yeah. Uh, that, can you apply? You. Can you apply that to our next invoice, please? Yes. Happy, happy to do that. Thank happy you. I that. appreciate that. Uh, but fifteen minutes. But that that funding process, <laughs> yeah. That that funding process. I mean, that's just super easy, and it's like it's isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I, I fuck no, I'm, it's not. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Can it I is not? I didn't know you were looking for the rhetorical answer to that. Well, yeah, I was hoping I was hoping someone slammed that. <laughs> I mean, I, it was that was the ball literally sitting on the rim. The stupidity uh, had went on long it enough. Was balanced there, I was like, yeah, this could be goaltending. It's so close. Somebody to at home is yelling into their phone, or these guys. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's fuck very. You, it's difficult. not easy. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but. I mean, that, first off, getting funded sucks. That was the title of episode two. It's a full-time job. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of scrutiny. There's a lot of things going on, and it really is a full-time job. But let's get past that concept and say we can actually do it. And now I'm talking to someone. So, Matt, you wanted to invest a whole bunch of money into this podcast, right? Yes. Uh, we're, what? Well, how did you want to do that? How did you want to structure that investment? Oh. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, what kind of liquidity preferences do I get? Um, do I get additional warrants? Are we going to have a board? What kind of say do I have? What kind of spending limits are we going to enforce? Um, I don't want you to raise any more debt. I don't want you to do any cash calls. Um, there's a lot my, of things we need my, to work What about through. my options and my vesting you schedule? You get none. And my vesting schedule? Nothing. And I want to make $10 million a year. For and one, one day contract for that and then you retire. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. quit after yeah after I talk about my hobbies in front of your board. Yep, oh my God. <laughs> different subject. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go back to episode 150 about selling your startup. At yeah. The end. That's so I mean, but so but all those things you talked about are things that you know can come up in the discussion around an inv- a, a potential investor. And what I what I to try to put the most positive like spin I could have on what you just said and those questions, which were meant to decide be painful, would be those are buying questions. If somebody, uh, you know what, you're right. You if are somebody 100% is asking those right. questions, so they're yes. past the point. So the, the, the number one thing, again, about fundraising is they've got to, you've got to sell you. You've got to sell yes. the business. You've got to sell the idea and the future and how they're going to get their money out. I mean, there's just the, 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 but at the end of the day, if you've got somebody past that point and they're looking at terms and we're talking about a term sheet and we're talking about, you know, valuation and amounts and options and things like that. Those are buying questions. That's somebody who is interested 
Correct. And putting money in your company. So that's the most positive I can Correct. spend on having these Because by the way, the, those people, they don't even, if they're not interested, they, won't, they don't even want to sit there and talk to you about that. Mm-hmm. So you're right. They are buying questions. Now, before we get into the different types of buying questions and like what those, the, a few of the, I just want to talk about a couple of the basic and uh, popular ways that people fund things. But at first, I, because I know Greg's a huge fan of music. In fact, I once delivered Greg a concert poster signed by all the members of Humphreys. Yeah. Awesome. Written to Greg yeah, that yeah, said yeah. rock on. Yes. Um, Hanging in my office. I like it. So anyway, we're going to play mixtape. Have you played mixtape? I haven't played mixtape. So if you, Greg, when you get home or back to the office, you can go to mixtapethegame.com and buy your own deck. The digital version's coming soon. I have pulled a card from the mixtape deck. I'm going to name a scenario. We are all going to name a song and then we will vote for a winner. You may not vote for yourself. Or Matt Watson. Uh, wait, did I say that? <laughs> All right. So here we go. The theme song to the sitcom based on your life. I really do want to say, I really want to go with CeeLo Green again. I want to say fuck you by CeeLo Green, mm. but I, I can't. That's the hack. It works for, we've learned it works for 99% of mixtape answers. I don't know why sure. Mork and Mindy came to mind. <laughs> <laughs> Went from Adam in. Oh, yeah. for me? Yeah. Oh, Matt's more the, yeah. the theme song to more committed. You just yeah. showed how old we all are yeah. for even getting that. No, yeah, you don't know who that is. This is kind of a tough question because there's a lot of ways you could go. Um, I've got one. Go. I'm going to go with Queen. Don't stop me now. Okay. I'm going with all about the Benjamins. Mm. Yeah. Puff Daddy. I was thinking about the wheels in the sky. Keep on turning song. I was thinking about that one too. Oh God, that's like my more like my nightmares. Like, yeah. please stop thinking. I'd probably go with uh, my fa- one of my favorites is Rift by Fish. Oh, my vote just because mm. I like Fish, but it's true. <laughs> like, yeah, and Matt doesn't even. I've I never even heard the that song. song. That's a great answer, actually. There's, I went through like the entire Fish catalog and put like a check mark next to seventy percent. Mm-hmm. What was yours again? All about the Benjamins. All about the Benjamins. Yeah, right. Well, I'm gonna go with Greg because Greg's a winner, and you're not. Love it. Love it. Um, is the money getting loaded? I don't know. <laughs> Did you take all the money out of it? Yeah, money's out of it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's a red one. You know, the, the, I don't know. There's, there's a, two. There's of them. a reason that there's no money in the money game. Yeah, I had to pay. Yeah. Had to pay my legal bill. You seriously? Yeah. You seriously? <laughs> you guys seriously need? I mean, there's just money for all you at home. There's money stacked up here. I mean, it's really. I'm I mean, actually. I'm actually cash. sitting on a large pile of cash. Is that right what's now. holding your back? I yeah, man. Enough. I've had a lot. Of, yeah, it's lumbar it's, support. It's That's... weird. It's uneven. <laughs> well, Greg, congratulations on winning mixtape. So we have just a few more minutes here, and I think that it's important that I wanted to talk about really quickly what is a convertible note. Mm-hmm. And because I think that that comes up for a lot of people are like, what are the, mo- what are a couple in like in a safe and like, yeah, in a safe or and like, why what should are, I use it? When should I use yeah, it? Yeah. Like what are, just give us a couple minutes on like what the, the, what, what's happening on the street. Yeah. How are people handing out, how are people handing out all this money to these billion dollar startups? Yeah, with no I mean, revenue? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a podcast in <laughs> itself like that. But I mean, you know, it's difficult to get money, right? It's difficult to go out and get financing. Um, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a process or something that you can kind of approach it. I mean, it, it is still about selling your business. It's still about selling them on you, but having some kind of term sheet, having some kind of outline that you're able to put in front of them as to what you think a deal would look like. And, you know, the important thing about raising money for a tech startup, that's it's it's different than like Greg, selling I've, real I've estate. I've never created a term sheet. What's yeah, a term sheet? Talk, I mean, a term sheet outline. I mean, basically, a term sheet outlines the terms. And there's a handful of levers. I always said there's less than 10 levers that you in, in a convertible note and then in, say, a series seed round, an equity financing round that are really the important levers. And you need to understand what they are. You need to understand how they move. But that's really it. And once you've kind of hammered down those Levers. I mean, the good thing about where we are right now for early stage financing, particularly in the U.S., is that we've got pretty standard documents available. If the Valley's given us anything, it's given us a lot, but it's certainly given us standardized documents around convertible notes and around series seed financing. And so once you understand the levers on the series seed and on the convertible note, then you know what you need to do and what you can move. And for the most part, everything else around that financing transaction is pretty standard and should be pretty standard. The concern I have is when 
uh, particularly about an investor is when they veer off of those standard terms. You know, things like I want a I want a security interest in your house. I want a security interest in you know. I mean, things that are not normal and shows that they don't really understand what they're getting into and how they're working on stuff. Um, a convertible note is a note. It's a loan. It's a it's debt. So it sits on the top of uh, ahead of the equity on the top of the stack there, and it converts into the next round of financing at a discount or a cap to that financing round. Um, one of the key things, one of the key things about um, a convertible note for the most part is, and this is a part that is is difficult for some, it is premised on the idea of there being another round. I mean, the yeah. idea of a convertible note is it converts into a round into the next round. And so if that's something that's going to take a long period of time or, is uncertain, then you know you may be better off going the route of pricing the round with the series seed. So, so when you talk about series seed, and we and we don't have to get too deep into this, that was just this is equity this, preferred this, stock. This simple, yeah. It's a, it's a simpler, uh, less constraining, less things to hold you down. Now, now, Greg, if I wanted to, you talked about all these levers. If I wanted to talk to you more about that, um, can I go to polsinelli.com and find you? And that's P-O-L-S-I-N-E-L-L-I. Or like, how do we get a hold of someone at your firm? Yeah, absolutely. You can, you can email me, gcratifil at polsinelli.com. You can find me on our on our website for sure. Like I said, I chair our tech transactions group. You could also probably Google Greg Cratifil. That's K-R-A-T-O-F-I-L. Uh, you're pretty easy to find online. Yeah, I mean, I, just stay on the first page. Ma- ma- I was going to say mainly for uh, good no. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, Don't get too deep. No, no. But I, w- I mean, I love talking about this. I'm happy to talk with anybody about, you know, these different levers, the different things so that 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 really should be the only issues that you should be talking about or discussing around the financing terms. And the key thing, and I mentioned the term sheet, you've heard me say it so many times, Matt, is that if their the investor is unwilling to sign a non-binding term sheet to actually say, you know what, we've gone back and forth. I like the business. I agree on the terms. I think we're on the same page. And they're, they're not willing to sign a non-binding term sheet. When you go then and have somebody put together all those financing documents, the chances they're going to sign them then aren't good either. Yeah. yeah you know. Yeah. So getting them through that step of saying, we do agree, we're on the same page on this little one, two-page document helps make sure that we can get that deal closed faster and better. But you said it's still non-binding. Yeah, it's a non. It's, so it's more it, like it a just, handshake still. But, it, but it's a, it's a, it's, but it it's still an shows a, it shows a level of intent. Yeah. That, I mean, that's it's, right. Yeah. And, and, hey, I've had investors do this. Yeah. No, I've had, look, we've had yeah. investors that that you know follow. I've, on had, I've had them do this, and it's like I send the term sheet, and they say they're going to do it, and then they don't do it. Well, and that's a, that's it's, an important. That's because ninety five percent of deals freaking fall through. Yeah, but the other th- this is an important thing I think is that the and why I like the term sheet and why I say you know raising money for a tech startup it's different than trying to do like a real estate deal in the sense that there's no winner or loser at the end of this yeah. investment. So it has to be that both parties. And the so, winner is the lawyers. Yeah. Well, if, if you don't do it right, you spend <laughs> days doing it, you know, fighting about it. But the, uh, and you're like, who's it? The opinions of Matt Watson do not necessarily <laughs> reflect that of both Matts here on Startup Hustle. The, uh, but no, no the, the, the key thing, I think, from terms perspective for a startup to realize is they need to be in the ballpark of what's reasonable. Because yeah. when an investor and normal, that's the thing. Like normal. if you're in, if you're new to this, you don't even know what's normal. Even as an investor, if, if you're like an angel investor and you, like you mentioned earlier, asking for all these wacky terms, mm-hmm. like they need to understand too, like what are normal terms? Yeah, what, both what, sides don't understand. Yeah, it, it, it needs to be normal terms, and it needs to be in the ballpark of reasonable. Because if it's not in the ballpark of reasonable, an investor will often look at a startup and say, you know what, this is too much. It's going to take too much for me to slug this back to normal. And then we're going to have animosity and difficulty. And you got to make it and easy so for them to say yes. Yes. And so it's easier yeah. for me to say no. Yeah. Well, and what, Matt, Matt, what Matt, Matt, what you just said is the same thing as when we talk, have talked about sales. It's like the more obstacles you put between you and the cash register, the harder it is to get there and, and ring it. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with your own terms and like, especially if you're early stage. And, and if you don't have, if you're not like a, a prize winning jockey, either you're not going to just come to the table and like make all these weird demands. Like kind of like Watson does with the podcast. Oh, by the way, um, you can bring your tour bus back. The charts are back. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the charts are back. Um, Apple removed the charts for uh, like 10 days. Do I get more M&Ms now? You get it all, man. Oh, Cause God. we're still on the chart. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're still on the chart. And I wait want- a second. This was a top three podcast. Like, a couple I, weeks well, ago. we've dropped. We're down back. We're back near a hundred. Oh, okay. Well, that's still, what's still good. It's still top 100. 
Yeah. I liked it when there was no chart and we were top three, though. That was defined by you. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I thought we were number one. Yeah. Well, I, I was telling everyone. We well, are the chart one. back though. We are we are the number one you, you, podcast well, so we, in Kansas City. So at one point uh, a little while ago, uh, we realized and I don't even know how long we've been on, but you know, app on the podcast app, which is yeah. where seventy percent of podcasts listens to, they had a business category, and I found us on the top two hundred, and I was like, holy shit! But then Watson started making all these rock star demands. He wanted a tour bus. He wanted four pounds. Was it green? Green M&M's. Green M&M's. Yeah. A green seahorse yes. on the tour bus. Yeah, yeah. I was like, dude, come on. But back to that whole unreasonable term sheet. Yeah. Yeah. And then well, he I said, see and then, gave and then, in on the requiring him to wear pants in here. I know. That's well, a, he agreed to that. That was mainly for legal reasons because yeah. people do so, work So, so it's just this time. Okay, I got it. Well, then he threatened to quit. So I let him. And I said, look, there's still, uh, we just, you know. I'm fully vested though, so it's okay. I know. And then I realized <laughs> that I had to continue paying him none of the royalties that we earn. We, dude, so you ha- you can have half of the seven pounds of free coffee that thou mayest buy. Half of the debt. Half of the pounds. <laughs> can have half of the debt. Um, we're going to, that coffee cup from Ocean and Sea is going to be rough because getting half of that is going to make it rough. Um, and you can pay half of Crowdafil's bill. Which one of those is higher? That's a good question. (laughs) Yeah, the coffee's pretty good. I'll take the coffee. Well, Greg, thanks again for coming in. Um, We'll probably have to do a follow up at this at some point. Uh, If you get a chance, check Pulsinelli out. I mean, they're they're a big firm. You guys have like a skyscraper here in town. Yeah, I mean, we're I mean, a big building that says got twenty two offices throughout the U.S. But I mean, if you're you know, we've got great uh, VC and emerging company lawyers in many many markets. I mean, particularly if you look at you know, from St. Louis to Chicago, Kansas City, Denver, Dallas. I mean, that's uh, that's right for where we are yeah. right here in the breadbasket. I don't think anybody has larger, you know, practice or experience in that area. So. And that's really what you guys specialize in and what yeah. you're really known for here and around there. And that's what you had up. And uh, Greg, thanks for everything you do for our startup yeah. community. You know, you guys are really involved. We've given away some money together. You're mm-hmm. a big connector in that. Yeah. And uh, um, you and Matt have not won war- awards together on the same night. Yeah. Oh, I so went I, to that one. We were yeah. it was happy to be nominated. Yeah. Right. I, well, no, man. I was. I got thrown out because I was screaming about what a travesty it was. We both <laughs> lost that award. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. why it was. Just... Neither one of us won. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was won. the same. Yeah. yeah Davion Davion's won that. a good one. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, well, he deserved it. He's startup alum. Startup hustle, he's startup hustle alumni. <laughs> um, he's you know he's been on. So thanks to no, everyone. He's fantastic. No, there's yeah. a there's a lot of exciting things going on uh, here and here and throughout the region. So I mean, but I appreciate what you guys are doing. Um, I've got we several appreciate clients. you appreciating it. No, and I, I mean, appreciate you winning. No, I mean I have several clients that use you know full scale for development work and and two one. They're very very happy. And the firm has started to. To look at using uh, full scale too. So wow. you know, you said uh, thank you, man. sir. Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate <laughs> appreciate what you guys do. Yeah, thank and, you. And thank you for listening to another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by FullScale.io. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit StartupHustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.